0: This is the Book Marketing Action Podcast and I'm Becky Robinson. Since 2012, my team and I have partnered with more than hundred authors to launch more than 150 business books. On this podcast, I'll share the best insights and actionable ideas from our work so that you can implement sustainable activities to reach your goals for your book. Whether you are a seasoned author looking to breathe new life into your book or someone who dreams of writing a book someday, this podcast will help you be more successful in getting results as an author. Hi, everyone. This is Becky Robinson, and I'm so happy to be with you for another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. This is actually our last episode for the year, so I want to wish you happy holidays, and we will be back with season three of the Book Marketing Action Podcast in January. So I'm really excited today to welcome Kate Babbitt. Kate is an editor, and I met Kate because she was hired to do the copy editing on my book, Reach which is coming next year. And in my correspondence with Kate, um, I identified that there really is a lot of mystery for authors. Even for me, I've been working with authors for over a decade. I don't really understand all of the detailed nuances of the different types of editors who can contribute in making your book the best it can be. So I thought it would be great for us to have a conversation about editing and for her to share her expertise. Uh, she's been editing books for 25 plus years. And so, Kate, tell us about your work in the world and about your passion for editing.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I started out editing in a very strange way. And I think the story is interesting because I think it res- may resonate with some of your listeners because... It didn't work out as I planned, but it turned out to be the very best possible thing for me. So I came from a very working class background and a very strict religious background. And I was determined that I was gonna get a secular education that was gonna give me some status and some power because I was, I grew up feeling like I didn't have those things. So I went to my state university and I got myself a PhD in US history and women's history. And I started teaching on one-year contracts, which was very unstable economically. And the market was very, very tight. So that, that was what was available. And I just took it and I was grateful. But I immediately realized that I was not a good match for academics work. And here I had gone into all this debt to get my degree And I found myself feeling very stressed all the time. I had a hard time keeping on top of all my obligations. Like I would miss meetings, or one time my class was supposed to clean up after a function we had participated in, and I forgot. You know, I got a call from the angry, you know, um, person that was in the room. So we had to quit, cancel our class, and go do that. That's very embarrassing. It just was not a good match for me. There was just too much coming at me all the time. And I was exhausted from talking to people all the time. So I was there for three years. My contract ended and I realized that there wasn't anything in the market for me. So I crashed out of academe and I was very panicked. So I had uh, a Myers-Briggs personality inventory and I learned that I was an introvert, which was news to me. Can you imagine being in your 30s and not knowing that you were an introvert? I didn't know. And that changed my life because everything started to make sense to me. Why I was so tired after I had to interact with people all the time and why I just wanted to be home in my home with my dog all the time. So I decided to become a freelance editor and I used my six months of unemployment to really learn the craft as best I could. Um, I joined Facebook, not Facebook, but internet groups, listservs for editors and, um, I found that I loved working with language, and I loved being in the background, and I loved helping people say what they want to say in the best way to communicate. That just became my passion. It was much more satisfying for me than status. It was. It just became who I am. Really, I can't. Sad, I can't separate myself from my editor person. They're, they're just, it it just was the right match for me. So I've been doing all kinds of editing over the past 25 years. And I, I had to learn a lot. Like you, you mentioned that uh, the process of writing was mysterious to you. Well, the whole process of editing and publishing was very mysterious to me. It was like this closed circle of knowledge that I kind of had to push my way into and learn as I went and that was before Facebook groups so there wasn't a lot of knowledge being shared and I was always afraid that the next question I asked would reveal how ignorant I was and I would never get another job and yeah so anyway I changed careers I crashed out of one career and went into another career and it became just wonderful for me so, you know, you you can plan things and then life happens and it works out really great sometimes.
0: Well, I'm so-, so glad that you um were the one chosen to edit my book and I would love it if we could talk for a minute Kate about the different types of editors that there are. So, you know, having gone through this journey with you really recently, I see so much the the value that an editor can bring in making Uh, the work better than it was before. So could you describe the different types of editors authors work with on their journeys? Yes.
1: So I'm going to talk to authors now.
0: So when you approach
1: a publisher with a manuscript, you're going to be probably talking, if, if if you get through, so you're actually talking with people at the press, you're going to talk with someone who is called an editor, but that is not the person who will be working with you on your book it's the acquisitions editor who is the person that decides which projects to bring to the press to say, I think we should publish this. And you might get through a committee and you might not, but the acquisitions editor is your first friend. Once the press agrees to publish your book, you can contact an editor yourself at any point in the process. You do not have to be alone in the wilderness if you have the money. It does take money. But If you are a person who has a wonderful message and you know that it resonates with people, you've had experience seeing people, taking what you have to say and really benefit from it, but you are not a word person, you can hire a developmental editor to work with you. So a developmental editor is someone who is sometimes called substantive editing. They can actually take the bits and pieces that you have and help you craft it into, okay, here's a chapter and here's another chapter. This chapter needs a little bit more about this topic. And this chapter has too much about that topic. Let's take that out and just really work with you to craft. It's like a, a, a developmental editor is like a sculptor. You, you have the marble. The marble is there, the value is there, and the sculptor is gonna come in and chisel away at this part and emphasize this point and help you create a narrative that hangs together from chapter to chapter and stays true to your message and true to your voice. Now, you might, want, you might work with this person just you know back and forth on emails and in comments in your file, or a developmental editor might work with you virtually, like in Zoom conversations. I've had some of my best experiences with editors, either on the phone or in Zoom. People who they writing on the page is just going kathunk, kathunk, kathunk. And then I talk to them and I hear this beautiful song just coming out of their mouth. And I think, oh, my goodness, this person really, really has something wonderful to share. And then I can, when I hear them speak, that helps me understand how to edit their text and how to craft their work for them. That's the deepest
0: level. So I have a question, Kate, how would you differentiate between a developmental editor editor and a ghostwriter? How how are they similar or how are they different?
1: A ghostwriter is someone who, and I don't really know Too much about ghostwriting, but my impression is that a ghostwriter is someone who will sit and talk with someone and record conversations and um, get the material from them orally and then put it into words on paper. But a developmental editor, you already have something on paper and the developmental editor is helping you craft that into something that you can take to a publisher.
0: That's really helpful. So once you're past that stage of developmental editing, what other types of editors join the process?
1: Well, again, if you are working with um, a publisher who's going to publish your book, typically that publisher will provide a copy editor for you. So you have a a finished manuscript and uh, it usually goes to readers who, who say, oh, I love what this part is saying, but I wonder about this part. Now, here's something the authors should know about readers. There is no school for readers. There are no guidelines for readers. Readers say what they want. And often, readers talk about things that are important to them and are not so much thinking about what's important to you. So when you get a reader's report, it's important to remember your message and your purpose and to take everything they say through that lens. They might be off base. They might be right on target. Um, you, you, you could be open to what they have to say. I'm not, I'm not trying to trash readers because some of them are, are extremely helpful and extremely insightful and they really know the topic inside and out and they can be a wonderful help to you. But I have seen many readers reports where they were talking about, well, you should do it. You should, you should do this. And it's clearly their hobby horse. So take readers reports, take it
0: in, but take it with a big grain of salt. I have talked to authors before who feel like when they get to that stage of the readers that they're pulled in a thousand different directions because different readers have different recommendations about their manuscripts.
1: Readers reports aren't mandates. Um, and, and sometimes you have to walk away from the report for quite a few days before you can come back to it and hear what the person is saying and uh, consider their points. You, you should just consider every point carefully, you know, and some points just might not be right for
0: you. And some points might be so, so helpful. So let's talk for a minute about the difference between a developmental editor and a copy editor. And I'm especially interested, Kate, in you setting the stage for an author, you know, who might be at the, at the point of getting back their copy edited manuscript. What would you say to them about what they're going to see? Okay,
1: first of all, copy editors are the best friends of authors. They, copy editors, more than anything else, they want the authors work to shine like a bright shining star. So um, they're not the grammar police. They're not um, out to find every little mistake you made. That's, That's not what they're focusing on. They're focusing on getting your work out into the world in the best possible shape it can be. So here's a message that I keep saying to authors, and I don't, a lot of people don't know this, and not many people are talking about it, and it has to do with grammar. So in the 1970s, there was a big shift in how English was taught in schools. Before that point, it was the, the theory was that you learn by doing. So there was a lot of rote learning. You would write out sentences, and then you would diagram sentences, and you would learn the parts of speech. And, People said, Well, this isn't really serving a lot of students. It's just not connecting with a lot of students. We have to do better. So the new theory was that students, if they could follow their passion and read the books they wanted to read, they would pick up the grammar and it would get hardwired into their brain and it wouldn't need to be taught formally. Well, that actually didn't work so well. So if you are younger than age 60, which is how old, you know, about my age. Uh, you probably didn't learn the parts of speech in school. You probably didn't know how grammar works in a sentence. You probably didn't know how to construct a learn how to construct a paragraph, and so when you write something and you're struggling, and throwing up with every other sentence, that is not your fault. That is what happened in the U.S. school system, and it did you a disservice. So your editor is the professional who can come in and help you with all that stuff so that you can focus on what you want to say. So you can expect a lot of comments from the copy editor that say, I changed this for this reason. Here's a grammar issue and that's why I changed it. You can also expect that your copy editor will do fact checking. So if you give a URL, they're gonna check that URL make sure it's still working. Uh, If you quote a statistic, they're going to check it and make sure it's it's the right thing to say. They're going to check the spelling of proper names that you mentioned in your book. And they're also going to look at how your content flows. Copy editing can sometimes almost morph into developmental editing. That's known as a heavy copy edit, where the the editor will say, could you just say one more sentence about this? Because I'm not quite sure you brought this point home. Or you know, you've said this a couple times already and maybe you should say something different this time. So, and, and also a copy editor will edit for the flow of language um, so that they'll put your verbs and your subjects close together. And they'll order, there's a, there's a secret code about the order of adjectives. If you have a string of adjectives, there's a certain way that they flow better in English. And they will work on that. And they'll do a lot of things with hyphenation and commas and all that technical stuff. And most of all, a a good copy editor will make you feel really, really good about the work that you've done and really excited about the possibility of what it's gonna do when it gets out in the world.
0: Well, I have definitely experienced that in my work with you, Kate, and it's such a joyful part of the process. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and that kind of leads us to the next question. Kate, when you sent over my manuscript, there was a cover letter and in the cover letter, you described yourself as a wing woman. Can you say more about what it means to you to be a wing woman to an author?
1: Well, mostly I wanted you to know that I was your friend and that I was your book's best friend while I was in my shop. Um, that, you know, whatever, I'm trying to think of a word, whatever areas you don't feel strong in, I'm there to be your strength. That's what, a, that's what a copy editor who is a wing woman is doing. And of course there are male copy editors too, I guess they can be wing women too, but um, <laughs> yeah, where, wherever you feel a little bit vulnerable or a little bit like uncertain, the copy editor is there to, to bring strength to you so that you can say what you wanna say in a way that will reach the people
0: you wanna to talk to. So what do you wish that authors knew about working with editors? I wish they wouldn't be so
1: scared. I wish they would just realize that, you know, this is a person who's gonna come and help you. This is a person who is really, really on your side and wants you to succeed in the best possible way, and uh, it, it, almost like um, you know a, a benevolent aunt or uncle who who is you know almost like family to you while it's in your in their shop, and uh, they really want to collaborate with you, they really want to um, be right there with you. As, you, as you're working together and you're, you're talking back and forth and uh, you're figuring out solutions together, it's just a really, it, it can be very intimate. And it can be, as you say, very joyous when you find the words that will just go right deep into the hearts of the people that you want to communicate with.
0: So Kate, you mentioned that sometimes authors are scared or fearful about the process of working with an editor. And I'm curious, apart from hearing the reassurance that you've spoken on this podcast, is there anything else that you think authors can do to reframe their view of the editor's role in the process of bringing their book to market?
1: Well, I was thinking about this as as I was preparing. Um, So say you're a first time author and you've never worked with an editor before and you have no idea what they're gonna do to your baby and uh, you're just worried that they're gonna really mess it up. One thing you could do is, um, and and say you're hiring someone on your own, on your own dime. So this is, you have control over this process. You're not getting assigned an editor from a publisher. Uh, Send them a chapter and pay them to edit the chapter and see what comes back. And uh, I can guarantee you that you're gonna be reassured that this is gonna really um, make your work what it truly can be. Um, In terms of if you're working with a copy editor that you've been assigned, what you did was perfect. You were very warm and open in your book about who you are. And um, that helped us establish a connection right away. So getting to know your editor a little bit, uh, you know, just a, just a quick email exchange. Say a little bit about yourself. Ask a little bit about them. Just make it a little more, uh, hey, we're on the same team. We're, we're collaborating here. Instead of, oh, here comes the editor. <laughs> I want to go under my covers in my bed until this is over. Uh, just make it more collaborative um, and be open to the process.
0: I think that's really helpful. I I think that what helped me was really thinking about the intention. So the intention of an editor is to make your book better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so if I want my book to be as wonderful as it can be, I want to make sure the product that I bring to the world is the best it can be. And so of course, what a gift to have someone alongside for that. From our side, it's a gift Uh, really a precious gift
1: when an author will allow us to be inside their mind that is so intimate and so um, such a privilege that Mm -hmm. you know we get to see how people are thinking and why they want to do this and how they want to say it that is I almost want to say it's better than sex but it's (laughs) it's so intimate it's it's such a rush for me to be able to be connected with another person in that way while, while we're working together.
0: There's a powerful uh, quote later to share on social media, huh, Kate? <laughs> Why <laughs> working with an editor is better than sex. There's the headline. Isabel is the one who does all the social media promotion for our podcast. So Izzy, I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, so at the end of every podcast episode, Kate, one of the things that we do is is we try to pull out some action steps that authors can take immediately as a result of listening to the podcast. And I think really for this episode, there's one key message that I'm hearing. So you can tell me, Kate, if you agree with me, um, I would say for any authors at any part of of their journey, I would love you to consider that an editor will always make your work better. I was thinking about, Kate, I write in the book about my first job writing, and I was writing this leadership blog. And at the time, there was a woman named Donna. I loved her. And it was the first time I ever experienced working with an editor. And I was, I was a little bit insecure because I'd been paid to write this blog. And I would send my blog posts off to Donna. And my experience was Sometimes I felt like a little embarrassed, but always I knew that the blog post was better because Donna had edited it. So the key action step for our listeners today is involve an editor in your work at any stage. And if you need help finding an editor, reach out to me. Becky at WeavingInfluence.com and I can introduce you to Kate and if Kate isn't the right editor for you I'm sure Kate that you have a list of resources that you could refer people out to if you're not the right person for their project
1: oh yes yes I know a lot of editors and I can help you find the right one
0: perfect so only one action step today um you know love your editor <laughs> and um So Kate, if people want to get to know you more or to reach out to work with you, what's the best way for people to contact you? I would say on email.
1: Um, And my email address is uh, Kate Babbitt. That's K-A-T-E-B-A-B-B-I-T-T at
0: gmail.com. So that's pretty easy. So we will put a link to Kate's email in the show notes. And if you want to send her a love note, I could not be happier that Kate is the person uh, with whom my book landed and I hope that when you see my book you know that her fingerprints of um, editorial guidance are all over the pages Um, so thank you Kate. Any parting thoughts about editing that you want to leave with our listeners as we wrap up today? Just that
1: I really love my work and I really love working with authors and um, I feel very privileged to do what I do. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or have been enjoying our show, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to email Becky at at Influence.com.